0: In his presence, just praising his holy name and just worshiping his holy name. Amen. Um, I've worn a different heart today, but I wish I was in front and just worshiping him. But uh, since I am standing in front of you, uh, everything works out for good for those who trust in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, firstly, I just want to thank um, the pastors, Pastor Sunga and Pastor uh, McDuff, and the leadership of the church for just allowing me to stand in your presence, to stand before you and just share the word of God. It is my prayer. I know sometimes we are used to each other. We see each other. We laugh together. But it is my prayer that by the end of today, you'll be able to catch or to grab what the Lord has prepared for you and what the Lord has prepared for me even. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you, O God. We are listening, Almighty God. May you speak to us this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Um, This morning, I just want to share with you about heeding the call of God or noticing the call of God upon your life. Amen. And I'm just glad that as, as Brother Gondre was just leading the intercessions, there are some things that he, he, he talked about that are also part of my sermon. And I was like, oh, God, I am glad that I have put this sermon. I know um, sometimes you can say, is it my own thoughts or what? But we thank God, could he, it's God that has made it possible for me to share this word today, this morning. Amen. So I know we normally hear that. Um, there's a calling of God upon our lives, there's a calling of God upon your life. And we mostly hear it around, or we've been hearing it it since we were born again or even before. And sometimes we ask ourselves, how are we even supposed to notice the call of God upon our lives? And sometimes we even ask ourselves, is it actually God calling us, or is it just our thoughts? And sometimes we even ask ourselves whether we know it is really God or not. But the fact remains this morning that we have been called to serve. Amen. Every place where God has positioned us to be, whether it is in our workplace, whether it is in our business, in every area and mostly in church, God has positioned us for us to serve him. And the beauty of it is that each and every one of us has been given the grace to serve him differently. The way that God has given me the grace to serve is different from the way Brother Emma God has given you to serve him. We've been given that grace to serve him differently. And depending on the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us, each one of us, we ought to serve him. Amen. Let us open our Bibles in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. The Lord calls Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me again. You know how it is irritating when you're about to sleep and then somebody disturbs you? So I can understand Eli. Because this boy keeps coming. And yet I haven't called him. Then my son Eli, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Underline that. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if, and if he calls you, Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Underline that, in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Amen. Sometimes, as I said, we ask ourselves, how do we know that if it's God who is calling us? As we've read, the word of the Lord was not revealed to Samuel, despite being in the tabernacle. Samuel, as you know, was the son of Hannah and Elkanah, And the time Hannah was crying for a child, she had stayed years and years without having a child, and she kept crying before, the God, before God. And then she made a promise that God, if you bless me with a child, I promise I'm going to give that child to you. And we see God fulfilling the promise and blessing Hannah with a son. And that son, we call him Samuel. And after he was born, after a time that he had stopped weaning, I think after the breastfeeding and everything, around three or four years after, Hannah had to fulfill what she had promised God, and she had to go and leave her at the temple. So Samuel, his duty was just to help around the tabernacle, to help around in the temple. He used to clean around. He used to help up with the priest. In all the duties that were there in the temple. But one thing that we see that was lacking is not God had not revealed himself to Samuel. Amen. It can be that we can be in the church, we can be coming here each and every time, but not really noticing the call of God, that God is calling us to serve him, just like Samuel. Years going by, But not not noticing God or God had not revealed himself to him. Amen. And the voice of God, what really um, caught my attention, it, it sounded so normal to Samuel. Every time God called him, he always thought that it was Eli that was calling him. It sounded so normal to him that he kept going up to three times to Eli and saying, Here I am. You called me. What is it, Eli? What do you want me to do? Sometimes God can speak to us, my brothers and sisters, and we can feel like, "Ah, I think it's just my brother talking to me or it's just my sister talking to me, not realizing that it is God speaking to you or it is God calling you to serve him. Amen. Just realizing that sometimes, you know, we ask ourselves, is it God or what? But sometimes it just takes us to realize that maybe it is God just pushing us to serve him, not just our own thoughts. Sometimes you can think, should I do this, thinking that maybe it's just our thoughts, but in true sense, it's God speaking to us or calling us to serve him. And what really actually comes to my mind is, if you are alive, then you ought to serve God. I ought to serve God. If you are not dead, God is not done with you. Hallelujah. There's still time for us to work for God. There will always be something unsatisfying in our lives until we find our calling. What is it that God is calling you, my brother? What is it that God is calling you to do, my sister? Until you find that, you'll never be filled. so You'll never be satisfied. Hallelujah. And there are things... That can help us to just notice the call of God or noticing the heed of of God over our lives. Number one is when you starve for the truth. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, in those days the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Sometimes in our lives, things can just come and just bombard us and just fill our minds, fill our thoughts, that we can even have that time to notice the word of God speaking to us. As that time, it was rare. Now we live in a time that information is just readily available. You know how it is on social media. You go on social media. You find all sorts of uh, of thoughts people bringing in each and everything, even, even the things that are not even concerning the word of God. So it's up to us to take the truth, Amen. Let us have that starvation of the truth. I remember this other day, and like I think the, the way I'm saying that the, the social media is just full of information. Um, I love movies so much, and then I was just looking forward to Christmas movies that are coming um, at the end of this year. And one thing that caught my attention is a certain movie that said, um, you know how it is they can write a comment for you just to get intrigued to see um, what the movie is all about. So the, the comment below the, 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 the picture of the movie had said um, she had met the angel and then her life changed. So I thought, oh, let me go and see what is this movie all about. And I started just watching the trailer of that movie and I noticed there was a a couple uh, during Christmas time anyways when Christmas movies are always about Christmas time, isn't it? So there was this other couple, a married couple. Um, They were not really happy. I'll just cut it short. They, They weren't really happy and it was because of the lady. The lady kept feeling that I feel there's something missing in my life. There's something that I feel that needs to be fulfilled in my life for me to be happy, despite that I am married. And there was a point that she had an argument with the husband, and then she decided, ah, let me just go and take a walk. Ah, let me just go for a jog. Those that love to exercise, those that, those that just love to do something, just to clear your head, those that love to do that, you understand. So she went like, ah, let me just go and go, go for a jog and just let me clear my head. Let me just have a breather. Then the lady goes out in the night, starts jogging, and starts jogging. And as she was trying to cross the road, a car came out of nowhere. And then, luckily, there was a man that came in that pushed her, and the car didn't hit her. Then afterwards, she, 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 she stood up and said, where did you come from? So the guy says, ah, no, I just saw you. you were coming in, and then the car was coming, but you did not see it. But then was like, yeah, I saw the car, but I did not see you. So the guy came through and said, oh, my name is Gabrielle, uh, something, something like Angel Gabrielle. So I like, ah, okay. Then he's like, okay, you know what? It's dark. Let me walk with you. Where are you going? You're going back home. Yes, let me just walk with you. So they start walking together. They start walking together. And the guy says, you know what? I can sense that you're not happy. What is it? And the, the girl says, ah, you know what? Forget it. So the guy insists, pushes, and then the girl, as we know, we normally open up, ladies, easily open up. And she starts saying, "Ah, but you know what? I feel I'm not happy where I am. I am married, but I, I feel there's something missing. So to cut the story short, the guy now says, you know what? I can give you the opportunity to just choose what you feel that you need or what you feel will make you happy. So the girl says, "Ah, but I remember at some point in my life, I was happy. I had a best friend, this and that. But afterwards when my husband, my my best friend died and then my husband came in, but my husband was not feeling the void that was there. This, this, This connection that I had with my best friend, my husband is not fulfilling it. So he says, I'll give you a chance and then you go back in the past. Just to go through that whole experience again and you relate now with this experience. So they managed to go back and she now started seeing the best friend, the girl. And then afterwards as the movie kept going, I'm like, ah, but I think something doesn't add up. I realized that they were in love. The girl was in love with the with the best friend, the girl, as in both the, 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 the both girls. And then, in the end, um, Angel Gabriel, they show that the Angel Gabriel now connects them. And then she's like, "Ah, I think now I I don't have to be with my husband. I feel like I should still be with that one. You understand what I'm saying? So I go like, okay, a Christmas movie. And then this is coming in. So I go like, "Ah, you know what? Things have really changed now, my brothers and sisters. The way we used to treasure or the way Christmas now is portrayed, it's something different. You would think that the movie would be all about Christ. But you can see now the LGBT are coming in, trying to bring this. Even Angel Gabriel allowing that. You understand what I'm saying? So now the information that is out there now in the social media They're trying to crush the truth, the word of God, but we'll still stand on the word of God. Amen. Despite whatever is out there, it is my prayer that whatever people say out there, we shall still stand on the truth of God. So as the word of God in the time of Samuel was rare, we still, the word of God right now is there for us to stand on. We can't say that God is not speaking. God is speaking. He's speaking. Each and every day he's speaking to us. We cannot say that. I did, I did not know. You know, sometimes we go like, how? But to say the truth, we do know. Because the word of God is being spoken each and everywhere. Amen. So as I said, we live in a day and time where information is readily available, and the things that have just covered the information is just rotten. But we shall stand on the truth, and God knows that the word is available. The, the the problem is our attitude towards the word of God. The word of God nowadays is just regarded as common to most people. Number two, how can we notice the call of God? By removing, I'll call it the now culture regarding calling. You know, instead of worshiping God for who he is, we have our own definition and idea of God's will upon our life. Rather than being in a relationship with God, rather than just wanting him to be our everything, we've now regarded God as a resource. Whenever we want something, ah, God... Can you do this for me? Whenever you feel like God should come through you, that's when you go to God. But God wants that relationship. Removing that now culture. But okay, there's a prophecy or there's a prophet somewhere. You're the first one rushing there just to go see, oh, what is God saying about, about my life? Sometimes it's not about just rushing to whatever is happening around you. That's why I'm calling it the now culture. Things have changed. I remember when I was young, the time that um, the evangelism was just on the top. I remember neighbors or what, women used to come and get us. Oh, let's go. And the things that were happening in those um, in those fellowships and everything, they were so powerful. I remember, although I was young. But when you look at it now, the things that are just covering us. It's all about oh, what is the prophet of God saying? What is it that's happening? What is it that I'm going to get out of me um, serving God? It's not about what we will get out of it, but God's will upon our life. Amen. So until we treasure the voice of God, until we value the voice of God, until we make time and concentrate and create ourselves. If unless we do that, then we're going to miss the voice of God upon our life. Amen. So the fact, as I said, is that God has called each and all of us to do something, not just to sit and just come here. I remember this other day I was, uh, as I was reading one of the stories, um, the, the Christian memes, um, So which also called it my intention. And it also brought me to the, the topic that I'm sharing today. There was um, a story about a certain old lady in a church. She kept coming. She kept sitting. Sorry, I'll use you Sister Tandy. On Sister Tandy's chair. And as the years kept coming... The first time she came in, you know how our ushers are. They greet you at the door. And they say, oh, welcome. Here is the seat. Please, do feel comfortable. Feel at home. This is the house of God. So the first time the lady came to that church, she was greeted by the ushers at the door. And then she was pointed at the chair where Sister Tandy is sitting. That, you know what? This is the chair. Feel comfortable. This is the house of God. Feel free. And then every time, every Sunday, as the lady kept coming, every Sunday as she kept coming, she kept going on that same seat and sitting. The servant goes, it finishes, goes back home. The following Sunday, she comes. Oh, this is my chair. Let me sit. The following Sunday, so as you can see, up to 30 years went by. 30 years. And she was just sitting on that same chair. So there's a certain lady that came through. She came from a different city. And then as she came, she was serving. She was so, you know, energetic in serving the Lord. But as the time went by, she kept noticing that lady that every time when I come, I just see her sitting there. She doesn't do anything. A year went by. So she got courage and said, let me ask her, um, is there anything or, or what is it? So she went to that lady and said, mom. I know since I got here, I've been seeing you sitting on that chair. What is it exactly? I just want to understand you more. So the lady smiles and said, Oh, actually, the first day that I came here, the lady greeted me at the door and she told me, Here's your seat, ma'am. You can take a seat. Feel comfortable. Feel at home. So since that time, I've been feeling comfortable. I've been feeling at home. This is my chair. You know, the other people have their own chair in church. Eh? <laughs> this is my chair. If you find somebody, someone is pointing someone. I'm not going to mention who. So if you find somebody sitting on that chair, you go like, uh, but this is my chair. You know, I'm not going to catch the word of God the way I would if I were to sit on this chair. So as the lady explained it to her, she goes like, "Ah, uh, you know what? So, I then realized that, you know what? Sometimes we can be doing it whilst not knowing it. We can be comfortable and just come into church. And we sit there. And then we go back home. The following Sunday, we come again. We're just there observing. We come and sit. And then after the service, we go back home. But as the years keep going, what I want you to ask yourself is, All this time that you've been coming here, what is it that you've done for the Lord? What do you think that God has called you to do in this place? Do you think that God has just called you to sit on that chair? And then you go back home and then the following Sunday you come back and then someone waters you. And then you come back the following month and then the year next. I think now it's time to notice what God is calling you to do upon this church. Amen. Even where you've been set to be, in your workplace. I strongly believe that even for myself, for me to be where I am, God called me, he had a purpose for me to be there. I didn't understand it at first, but now I understand that, oh God, so you brought me here because of this. You know, sometimes when things are happening, we take them for granted, not realizing that God wants us to do something, but I want us to remove ourselves from that comfortable zone and say, okay, God, here I am. I want to serve you. What is it that you want me to do in this church? What do you want me to do for you? What is it that you're calling me to do for you? Amen. So Samuel, as you see, didn't get it the first time. God calling once. God calling twice, and God had to call it the third time. It can be possible that God has been calling us. It's okay if we didn't notice. But God just wants us now to just say, here I am, God. What is it that you want me to do? Amen. And trust me, God will keep calling us. Will keep calling us just as he kept calling Samuel until we pay attention and do the will of God. Amen. Number three, how do we notice the call of God? It is through our relationships. And I'm not just saying relationships as your brothers and your sisters. But the relationships around you. The contacts, I should say, that are around you. Is God speaking through them? So my question is, who are your contacts in your life? Who are your contacts? The ones that you surround yourself with. Is God speaking through those people? Just like Eli, you know, and Samuel. God had to use Eli because Eli was the one mostly around Samuel. If there's one person that Samuel knew that, ah, even if I go outside, even if I do what, Eli will be by my side. So it was God that used Eli to speak to Samuel. Your contacts will affect the voice that speaks inside of you. Amen. You know, sometimes the voice you hear can sound like your husband. The voice that you can hear can sound like your sister. The voice that you hear can sound like your mother, your father, your boss, depending on who your boss is. So, I see that Samuel related the voice and ran to Eli because it sounded what was used to him. He was used to the voice of Eli. So, when he heard God calling, he was like, ah, maybe it could be Eli. And that's why he ran to him. So, Samuel, I can see, really had the right passion as he kept going, and he did not get tired. You know how it is, like, okay, I want to sleep, but you keep calling. The Lord was saying that when you want to sleep and then somebody keeps disturbing you, I have this thing of on Sunday afternoon, I don't want people to disturb me, I just want to rest, you know? (laughs) So sometimes you would want to sleep, I used to do that, but now, thanks to these little ones, you don't have time to sleep anymore. Sunday afternoons are not the same for me anymore. It used to be like, okay, let me have my me time. Let me have my sleep. But oh, now that is long, long gone. Then that's a story for another day. But you know what? Samuel had the right passion. He kept running. He kept running. And do you have that passion as well? That when you hear the voice of God... Do you run or you just sit there and stir? Example, Moses. You remember Moses? When God called him, he had that right passion, but he misplaced it when he killed that Egyptian. He ran and then just did did according to his own will. So some of us have the right passion, but the problem is, we rang to the wrong people, the wrong contacts in our lives. You can hear God speaking to you about something, but instead of going to that brother or to that sister, you end up going to that one that you know that you know doesn't even edify you, doesn't bring out the the Christ or the God in you, the comments that come out from that person. And trust me, these are Christians. I'm not saying out, yeah? The comments that come out, you would wonder that, ah, I thought maybe my fellow, you know, would be able to speak something that would really help me. But you, the way the things that come out go like, ah, no. So, focus and see, is God speaking through those contacts or through the relationships? So because we keep concentrating on the things we are familiar with or surrounded with, we end up having our passions misplaced. But God will still come back until you realize it, that it is him calling all the time. Look at 2 Peter 1 verse 10. And what is it that you keep running to? Number four, surround yourself with the right people. And when you surround yourself with the right people, you'll be able to notice the call of God upon your life. Surround yourself with people that bring out the God in you and not the devil in you, you know? It doesn't mean you have to be mean to people, but let your contacts be very important because certain stuff are contagious. You know, the... Some things that people do, and then it comes to you. So better avoid. I remember. I don't know if my sister Tamika remember this, but way, way back when we're doing the basic ac- accountability groups, when we the first place that we're in. So one of the things that we she had measures, she was like, you know what, for me, I think to serve God, I noticed that I need to cut some friends. I don't, rem- I, don't, I don't think if she remembers that. But for me, I grabbed that. She said, I think sometimes we tend to cling on to some people, some friends. And those friends are the ones, most of the times they rush to you, hey, I, I'm coming, where are you? I'm coming, you know. It's not you running to them, but mostly it's them running to you all the times we have those friends and i remember she had said i feel now i'm at a point that i need to cut some people they are very close but i feel i need to cut them out of my life it's not an easy thing to do trust me it's not and i had to catch that at first i was like Shh, i think for me it's not i, I don't see it happening But then, as time went, I noticed that, you know what, there are other people, there are other friends in your life that don't bring out the God in you. You wonder, why am I being friends? Or "Why, why are we still friends? Why are we still hanging out? I'm not saying be mean, but sometimes just... And then focus on the ones that bring out the God in you. Amen. So, when you are around your friends... You will catch whatever they have. Jeremiah 3 verse 15 says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And Proverbs 2 verse 20 says, So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. Hallelujah. So going back to Samuel, we see that Eli pointed Samuel to the right direction, and that is to God. It is through Eli that God called Samuel. So who are the people that are surrounding you with? Ask yourself this. Number five, realizing that God will keep calling back. Just realize it. Just accept it that God will keep calling you. God will keep calling back. As we saw even on 1 Samuel 3 verse 8. It says, a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord. And we see that God had to call him again. God will keep calling you. God will keep saying faith. God will keep saying Tamika. God will keep saying Asmenye. Until you pay attention. Until you notice to the call of God. Until you notice the voice of God. So God wants you. Accept that God chose you. God put the opportunity in you. Let's read John chapter 15 verse 16. John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. God chose us for us to work for him. And as you see, for us to be fruitful, it's all about being fruitful. Fruitful. We've been hearing it in this church. Be fruitful. Fruitful. Bear fruits. It's not just about just sitting, but serving and bear fruits. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 to 5. You can write that. And as well as Romans 8, verse 29 to 30. Romans 8, verse 29 to 30. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that, it might, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Hallelujah. So, what God has is for you. What God has prepared is for you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, it says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And verse 4, it says, God loves us and he chose us. He chose you. He chose me. And all he wants is for us to say, here I am, God. God. You know, there's always confirmation in the calling. We can hear it or maybe hear it in a certain song, in a certain sermon or a preaching, or even on a car sticker. I remember there was a time that I was so devastated, the time that I really wanted a certain job, and then I didn't get it. I thought I had got it. You know, when you go to interviews and say, ah, this, this one, I've got it. But then afterwards... We regret that email. I prefer for them not to send that email because it really pains. You would wish you've gotten it, but then you realize, ah, what been said in this email is totally different from what I wanted. So I remember at that time, I was so down and I'm like, God, but I really felt that you were calling me to go to that job, for me to be on that position. But afterwards... When I keep beating myself, keep beating myself, I kept hearing that, now God is saying, you will still go to that place. But I'm saying, how? If there's an opportunity, was that one. They had already called me for those interviews. And I thought those were the ones that I was going to make it to be in that organization. But later on, God had to confirm that, you know what? This is what I've prepared for you. And I have given you this timeline. I will do it between this timeline. I had to take it that, okay, I know God you're saying this, but mostly our ways are not our ways. Amen. You'd think, okay, as it has reached this, I don't think I'll be able to, to go to that organization. But then I saw later on as I was driving and then and my like, God, as I was speaking to him, and I'm saying, God, if you're really, really saying that that is where I belong, show me a sign. And up to now, I still don't understand. And when I remember, I always laugh and say, oh, my God, you, you, saw, you just do things that, you know, in our, in our head, we can't really explain. But then afterwards, just as I had finished saying that, I saw a vehicle. And that vehicle, I see a sticker. And the sticker is of that place that I wanted it to be. It's not something that I'm making up. I saw this and I'm going, ah, God. So is it you that's speaking? I thought you just said I should give you a sign. And this is the sign that I've given you. But later on, I saw God fulfilling what he had said upon my life. So whatever God speaks upon your life... He will fulfill it. It does not matter whether it takes a day. It does not matter what it take, whether it takes a year. It does not matter whether it takes years. But in the end, God will fulfill it for you. Hallelujah. So there's always confirmation in God's calling. All we have to do is just be in the right position. The greatest revelation that was revealed in Samuel, that is in verse 9. Just being in the right position. God wants us to depend on him and not his will. Samuel did not know the Lord as I said. He was busy in the Lord's house helping out Eli. But did not know God's voice. To know God is to know his voice. I wonder if our relationship with God is only us. You know nowadays, blue ticking God. There are other people that when they send you messages, the way it's WhatsApp, they just blue tick you and then move on. You're like, the message that I've sent you, isn't it important for you at least to reply? At least noted, although noted is kind of rude, but at least you've responded, you know? So, is it whereby God keeps talking to us, but we don't keep going back to him? It's just a matter of us blue ticking God. God keeps speaking to us, but we're not responding to Him. It is my prayer that we have that relationship with God and be able to speak back to Him when He speaks to us. Hallelujah. Number six, get in your place. Get in your place. Do you realize God's purpose when you get in your place. As you saw Eli had to tell Samuel, go back to your place. And he went back to his place, lay down on his place. It is that very same place where God called him and kept calling him. That same place where God kept speaking, kept calling. It is that very same place. Don't think it will be a different place. If God is calling you now, don't think that he will call you at a certain, but it is that very same place. God will keep calling you that very same place, that very same place, that very same place. Hallelujah. So when you say, here I am, here I am, God, I am ready to do your will. Because to be honest, our will hasn't done us much than God's will. That's for a fact. So it's just a matter of saying, here I am, God. What is your will upon my life? You know, Isaiah, when you say, I'm a man of unclean lips, but God said, I want to send someone. Isaiah said, here I am. And God used him. When Moses saw that burning bush, he said, here I am. And when Jeremiah He also said, here I am. It's all about saying, here I am, God. Here I am, making yourselves available. Number seven, realizing that you have more than one calling. If God has called you to do something, let me share this. It wasn't part of my sermon, but if God has called you to do something and you're doing something in this place, Don't relax that that's the only thing that God has called you to do. Amen. There's so many things that God keeps calling us to do. If I am in the praise team, ministering in the praise team, it just doesn't end there. There's so many things that God is calling me to do for him. So we have more than one calling. We need to realize that it is not just me doing this, but also God wants me to do these other things for him. I call it there's a conflict of a calling. As I said, I'm in the praise team. Before I was not married. But then God called me, and then I got married, and I became a wife. Being a wife is also a calling. Amen. Amen, sisters. Hallelujah. So for me, being a wife, God has called me to be a helper, a helper to this gentleman. A helper just to aid him in his responsibilities as a husband, as a leader, as a man. I am there also to support him in his ministry, in whatever God has called him to be. That is my calling for me, to be a helper. As you also as a husband. It's a calling as well. Amen, gentlemen. Amen. Mm. So, apart from that, God has called me to be a mother. I never thought that now I would have these two bundles of joys. But I have to be careful what I am putting upon these children. It's a calling for me as well. Am I raising them for heaven or am I raising them for hell? You understand? The things that we put in in our children or that we encourage them to do, you know, I'll use the the the, the, the word that Pastor Mark Duff uses, the kadawashiwashi. I was watch, not always was watching the Kardashians, but I was so, I was seeing a comment that came through on on the internet. they saying, oh, should this this year's their last year, they won't be um, field airing anymore and everything. And then I saw a certain comment that said, oh, actually, my daughter started watching it as she was four years old, and now she was. I think she was saying 17 because I think it's been there for 13 years. So, I'm like, oh, my God. So, you allow a four-year-old? You know, the four-year-olds, you would be expecting them to be watching Winnie the Pooh and what, what. But instead of these encouraging um, things that the, the child is supposed to be watching, educational stuff that are related to their age, she is watching the Kardashians? So she keeps growing four years old, five years old, seven, ten, and now she's a teenager. Your guess is as good as mine. What is filled in her head as she has grown? Do you think she would care about these other things or for her it's the way the Kardashians live their life. It's the way people are supposed to live. That's what she would get from that. So it is my responsibility as a mother It is your responsibility as a parent. It is your responsibility as a child. God has called you to be that. What is it that you're doing? Through that calling that God has given you upon your life. So there's a conflict of calling, as I've said. But the answer lies in our availability. I've given you this. I'm a wife. I'm a a mother. I'm also in the praise team. But it all requires me to be available, availability, and just giving myself that access that, you know what? As much as you've given me all these callings, you create access and availability through all these callings that God has given you or that God has given me. Amen. So when Samuel said, here I am, he created access. And that's when God came and started saying what he wanted upon his life. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, it says, Let us not care only for ourselves, but what matters to Jesus Christ. When you create that availability, that access, it's not just about you, it's about God. Let's not just care about ourselves, but what matters to God. Number eight, making yourselves available. Because Samuel said, here I am, speak Lord. He heard God's voice. What he spoke came straight from the throne of God. It's not about what we are going to do, but making ourselves available. God wants the whole of us. God is asking for us to say, here I am. So when he said, here I am, when he made himself available, that's when God spoke. That time he kept calling. But when he said, here I am. That's when he started speaking to him. He started speaking to him. He started speaking to him. So make yourselves available when God calls you. Number nine, allowing God to speak. Sometimes we don't allow God to speak in our lives, you know. So the truth of the matter is that God has been speaking all this time. God will keep speaking and shall keep speaking. He'll speak through painful things. He'll speak through difficult times. He'll speak through pleasures, through rejection, through restlessness. He'll keep speaking and he'll keep speaking. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom all he made the universe. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, it says, he still speaks through the Holy Spirit and reveals the deepest secrets. It's not what God stopped speaking. It's not that God has stopped speaking in your life. But the problem is, people have lost the ability to listen. That's why we end up not hearing the voice of God upon our lives. I want us to go to Job. Job 33, verse 14 to 16. Job 33, verse 14 to 16, it says, For God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In a dream, he will speak. In a vision of the night, he will speak. When deep sleep falls on people, and they slumber in their beds, he will still speak. He may speak in their ears, and it terrify them with warnings. But the truth is he will keep speaking. Even when you are asleep, he will still speak to you. Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you start recording. Ah. But then these things keep coming now in your head. You see that God was speaking to you about something. God will forever speak. It's just a matter of us now paying attention to whatever he's saying. All God wants us is to listen and accept his call. Samuel didn't wake up sick in the calling. You know, sometimes we can think that it's about a particular calling. It's about a particular calling. But sometimes all God God wants is for us to seek him. All God wants is for us just to seek him. Not looking around, "Ah, what is it? What is happening? But Seeking him, seek he, seek the kingdom first and everything will be added to us. Amen. So I know there's so many excuses that come up that make us not to heed the call of God upon our lives. For myself, I've made so many excuses. When I remember in the past, I saw God was calling me to do things. But I kept coming up with excuses. Some other things I ended up doing. But others I was like, ah, I don't think I am capable enough of doing this. I don't think I'm the right person, but he is the right person. You know what happens? We tend to do that when you feel, okay, God is calling you to do something. But you go like, uh, no, I think me, no, but Pastor Sunga is the, one, is the right one to do this, you know? Sister Mimi is the right one. She's the one that looks... You know? We end up saying things like that. But God is calling us. We shouldn't bring these excuses. You know? Sometimes you focus also on the stumbles that you've you've done in the past... You felt God was calling you to do something and then you ended up stumbling. Sometimes you focus on that. But as I said, God will keep calling you. It does not matter whether you stumbled. But God wants you to do it now. You know, sometimes we ask ourselves, how and why would God use me? And I used to tell myself, I didn't have the most important qualities when I compared myself with other Christians, other believers. That I don't think I'm qualified, but this one is qualified to do it. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, God has given each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. It does not say one person serving you and you not, but it says one another. It's a matter of my gifts. What do I need to do? It's your gift as well, both of us. So I remember the time that um, when I was still young and I got married, and then it reached a point that I had to accept that I am married and I need to move from blanta and then to come here in Nelongue. But it was a big, a big problem for me to leave everything that I knew Everything that I was associated with, everything that God had called me to do where I was, where I was ministering. And I kept saying, no, I think, yeah, I'm married, but we need to be here, here, not Lilongwe. Lilongwe is not where God has called us to be. And it took me a long time for me to accept it. And I was, I reached a point of being depressed. I wasn't happy. You know how it is. And then people say, oh, new remarried couples. And I go, I need to be there, where I'm coming from. That's why I was happy. Here, yeah, fine. God has blessed me with this gentleman, but I don't feel, you know. And I used to really be so sad. And every opportunity, I would keep going back to Planta. Any long weekend, I would keep going. Like the one we had now, I would have been back in Planta. But then... Slowly, as time went, it was after a year plus, as the years kept going, now I started noticing that I think God has called us to be in this place, in this city. I know I was used to that ministry that I was involved in and the calling that God has placed upon me. But you know, sometimes God can move you out of that comfort zone where you're so comfortable with and then move you to a different place. You know, remember Abraham, he had to leave, leave everything that he knew, all his relatives and everything. It's not easy. I've seen it. I've been there. I didn't have anybody here. And you know how it is when you meet someone, you didn't grow up with him. You just met him when you already, and you didn't have any family here. And you're like, but all my family, all my friends are there. That's where I'm supposed to minister. But as time went, I noticed God's call upon our lives. So if you ask me today, did we go back to Blanta ah, Your guess is as good as mine. We're still here. As much as we tried, applying for jobs, trying to find ourselves back there, but God said, no, be here. You need to be here. And we've seen that, yeah, after years, that this is why God wanted us to be here and not there. Amen. So even when... We are certain that God has called us to something. Sometimes we'll still waste time. As I say, we bring excuses. We bring in excuses. Because sometimes an excuse is always something that is near. And most excuses, trust me, seem reasonable at first glance. And they make make sense. And when you think about the excuses Moses made following God and when you think about it I remember when I heard first of all when um, uh, Pastor Mo was was talking about it I I still remember up to now I didn't picture it that way but as Moses was saying but but, but, you know he was a stammer and then uh, uh, he's fainting. so you're saying I should be the communicator the main spokesperson How am I going to do it? So some excuses do make sense when you look at it. They do make sense. So I mean like Moses. If he's not a good communicator, why send him to be the chief chief spokesperson of God? But God's ways are not our ways. Amen. So serving God is not optional. People come up with all manner of excuses. I am too old. I am too young. I am too busy. I am too tired. I am too sick. And the list goes on and on. But we have all been called to serve. It's not a matter of what is actually uh, happening in your life. But we've all been called to serve. So are you dragging or delaying yourself to serve God? Maybe you're even running out of another good excuse when pastor comes to you, probably, you know. If an opportunity is stirring in your face, I just want to encourage you that there are some excuses that most people use. But in the end, God just wants us to make ourselves available. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there are some excuses that people use. And I found out that there are about seven, the ones that I saw, there are seven most common excuses people use not to serve God. Number one, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Your excuse is you don't have what it takes. And the sad part of this excuse is that it also means that you don't trust God. If you're saying you can't, then you don't trust God that will be able to do it for you. Saying I can't to a good thing is an indicator of faith. If God calls you to eat, you can do it. Because whatever you lack, He will supply. You know, Gideon would love to weigh in on this excuse of I can't. You remember in just just chapter 6? After the Israelites had done all that evil, and then God just handed them over. To the Midianites. I think it was up to seven years. I think God just got tired of them. So whenever the Israelites were planting their crops or whenever they had all these animals and stuff, the Midianites would just come and destroy and attack and just do all sorts all sorts of these things. So God sent Gideon to rescue the Israelites. And you remember he said, I can't, my tribe is the least, you know. Sometimes you can say, God, I can't, but look at me, the way I am. I am not short enough. I am not tall enough. You can just bring in these excuses that do not even make sense. Number two, I don't know how. The task seems overwhelming and you may be too proud to ask for help. So you just say, I don't know how. I don't know how we just have to do for now. And if you trace the roots of I don't know how, this excuse is often fueled by either laziness, either tiredness or mostly fear. So, don't you think Noah or do you think that Noah knew how to build that ark when God said build this to our fellow engineers and staff? I keep asking myself if God had to ask Him. God was saying, "He's saying He'll supply. He'll be able to help you to do that, to accomplish that." Number three, I don't have time. So God calls for obedience now, but mostly we are preoccupied, and our chances are, with this as an excuse, we will never have time. That's a fact. If we keep saying, "I don't have time," I don't have time. So this one has worked for me before too. But it's just for a short period. It never works for a longer period, just for a short while. So what it really means is I have my time and I have God's and there's God's time. And more specifically, it's more about I have my agenda and God's agenda. And there's no time left in my agenda. We'll see how Jesus responded in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. Remember when he said, follow me. And then one said, "Ah, oh, let me go and return. And then let me bury my father. And another one came and said, oh, let me say goodbye to my family. But God is saying, this is the time for you to serve. It's not about going back and doing something. If I've called you to do something, it is now. Number four, I am all alone. That's another excuse that we use. So leading out by faith feels this way sometimes. So sometimes you can't see that there are other people that God has placed to help us in whatever God has called us to do. Hallelujah. So sometimes it seems so lonely when you're serving God. But God is saying, I will put people that will help you. And you remember Elijah when he thought he was all alone? In 1 Kings chapter 19, he later realized that, oh, there are other people. So we're never alone in serving God. God has already placed other people to help us serve him better. Number five, I am afraid when you allow fear to just overcrowd you and just um, take over you. So most of us use this and we feel that this excuse could mess up things. If I say ah, maybe if I do it, I might mess it up. Or maybe I didn't understand well that God was calling me. And sometimes we create worst case scenarios. What if? So God has called me to do, what if, what if this happens? What if this happens? You know? So we can't possibly get to the victory until we face our fears. Amen. Number six, I can't afford it. We are afraid that sometimes that it will be more expensive to, to just to serve God. Most of the times as Christians, we don't say it. We tend to hide it. But it is real. Sometimes go like, ah, if I am called to do this, if I am taught to be the, the one leading the, 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 the man of honor, if I lead this ministry or if I do that, it will be mostly me going and picking up stuff. If you will, I have to go this, I have to go there, and I have to do this, you know? We tend to focus and say, I don't think I can afford this. My, my, my pocket, when I look at it, it, it can't, you know? It's not the right time. Unless God blesses me, maybe with a nice job, we always say this. Or maybe with a good business, then I'll be able to do it. Number seven, I won't. So this may be the boldest and daring excuse that Christians would use. So with this excuse, you simply refuse. You're simply refusing. There's no way about it. So you might disguise it in so many ways that it shouldn't see that you're refusing but the truth of the matter is you're refusing and you don't want to give it a try. So there'll always be an excuse not to follow the dreams God has laid on our hearts and there'll be always obstacles along our way. You can keep making excuses or you can address them one excuse at a time. Amen. The one who achieves most is often the one willing to overcome excuses. 1 Peter 4 verse 11 says, If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there's always the cost of obedience to our calling. Remember Nehemiah? He was a cupbearer to the king. And when he heard about the news, he was so down, he was so sad. And it reached the point of the king noticing that he was not okay. It's not how he was. And the, the king had to come and say, what is it? You, you, you look so sad. What's happening? But there's always a cost of obedience when it comes to God's calling. And we see Nehemiah when the king allowed him to go. We see that Nehemiah in his obedience to God's calling upon his life, he leaves for Jerusalem and he starts inspecting, planning and gathering people. And we see in Nehemiah 3 that the building had already started and we see that everyone, almost everyone was participating and it seemed like a well thought strategy. Everyone started building the walls in parts and at a different location. This month, I'm just reading the book of Nehemiah. That's why I'm bringing it in. And I remember when I reached here on Nehemiah chapter 3, and they said, Oh, they were building. They were all building together. And every part, I don't know what you called it until manga, eh? that section, and then that section, that other section. Yeah, panels. Panels, yeah? Yeah. So it said. For a certain panel, it said, Mina, the sons of the Karima did that panel. The sons of the Mbewe's did that panel. The sons of the genders did that panel. It was a matter of everyone coming together, serving God together, working together. It was not about the Chendas only. It was about everyone. The Gondwes came in and did this part of theirs. The Pulusas came and did their part on this. Everybody kept... And they worked together. They were obedient to the call of God. So just like Nehemiah, God has a calling on each and every one of us. Some of you have already discovered your calling. And as a church, God has called us to be a blessing. Even to this city of Longway. You know that? Even to this nation. To reach the unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ about finishing the Great Commission. You remember that. So remember the first step, the key step, the only step that will lead us to fulfilling the calling of God is our unconditional obedience to God's calling. Just like Nehemiah stepped out in obedience and saw God's calling, let us do the same. I don't know how you view obedience, but I can tell you it's not easy. I remember when I was growing up, And um, the time I was going to Sunday school, if there's a thing that my parents, or I would say my father, and I used to think it was a punishment, he used to say every Sunday, whether you like it or not, you're going to Sunday school. You're going to Sunday school. And trust me when he says whether you like it or not. So whether there's rain, heavy rain, you'd still have to go. It didn't matter to him. You have an umbrella, you have a raincoat, go. Go. You don't need to stay home. So for the the way it was positioned then, you know how it is we're placed here in church and we have our CHFs. So the Sunday schools were based in the CHFs. So that's the good thing that you didn't have to travel far or go far. So if it's me staying in area 18, I had to attend Sunday school in area 18. So whether it was raining or what, and they would come drive all the way here and deliver us, so we have to walk, you know. So even if it's raining, it's what? You still need to go to Sunday school. And I remember there was a Sunday school teacher who used to say, Oh, I know there's a Smenye, there's Faith, there's Cynthia, there's what? They never miss Sunday school. They always come to Sunday school. You know what? Just because you come every time to Sunday school, God will do so much for you in your lives. You will not lack, you will not what. just for being obedient. Everything will work out for you. And I grew up believing that, that, oh, okay, as long as I'm doing this for God, as long as I'm going to Sunday school, everything will work out. But I was wrong. If you are obedient, know that you will face suffering. You will face opposition, even in church. You will face persecution, even insults from your fellow Christians. So, we might say that, oh, it's fine. Let me do this. Everything will work out, but let us have that mind that even when I'm obedient to God, I will face this. There will be negativity from others. But as long as we focus or we put our trust in God and just focus on serving God, it will work well for us. Amen. So when Nehemiah stepped out in obedience to God, he also faced opposition. He faced insults. Remember Sanballat? Remember Tobiah? Arabs? The Ammonites? They weren't happy when they saw that he was building the wall. You know? But He didn't focus on that. He still focused on the call of God upon his life. He still worked and then managed to fulfill what God had had called them to do. Amen. So the scripture that really stands out for me in Nehemiah chapter 4, it's verse 6. They said, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their hearts. So I've seen that when you work for God with all your heart, God handles your business. Amen. So it's not a matter of giving up. Nehemiah did not give up what God called him to do. Even when he faced opposition. Even when he faced persecution. Even when he first insults. And we see that eventually God fulfilled his promise and the wall was built. So God will fulfill his promises if you are obedient and walk with him. So we might ask, what does obedience mean? It simply means hearing the word of God and just acting on it. It implies aligning our will to God's will, doing what God has asked us to do. It is when we completely surrender to his authority and base our decisions and our actions on his word. And obedience is so important in our lives because it is an act of worship and it demonstrates our love for God and sets us apart. Being obedient also shows that God, that we trust God. Obedience can mean following God, being led by him, even when we're not sure about the outcome. Amen? obedience can be tough many times it means taking the higher road even when there's an easy way out you see how it is even in the other, you go in immigration and what and what as long as you're obedient to the word of God, you don't go you know, when they say and then you go like no I'll still do this although it would take me long but I would rather be obedient to God and do the will of God amen Hallelujah. I hope I'm still a blessing to you. So, as I conclude right now, what I want to ask you this morning, are there things in your life that God is asking you to do that you think are tough? Or that you think that do not make sense? Your obedience will show God that you trust him. And it will be accounted as the evidence of your faith. Obey God to give even when your budget is tight. You know how it is? That you feel like this is the only money that I have. But we need to obey to still give to God. Obey God and forgive even when it hurts so bad. There are other people that have hurt us. That have done us wrong. But we need to obey, to forgive. Obey God and work hard even when you have been passed for that promotion at work. Still obey God. And obey God and love. You know how we have some unlovable spouses? Love them still unconditionally. There's a reason why God has put us in every situation that we are in. Amen. So I want us to be obedient to the word of God. And as I am still concluding, I will still ask this question. Are you being obedient to his call? Because it is an obedient heart that God loves. Will you respond to his call as he is calling you? If you make ourselves available, he will speak to you just as he spoke with Samuel. Are you holding back your service in this church? What God has called you to do in this church? What I can say is never hold back the work that God has given or placed upon your heart. And what really, really catches my attention is that God is monitoring our works. Amen. And we will be held accountable after this life. Romans 14 verse 12 says, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And underline the word personal account. It's not a matter of what the church you were in did what the family you are in did for God what your marriage did for God but it will be a personal account what you did for God when God called you and said I want you Menye, to do this for me I'm calling you to do this for me did you accept God Did you accept his calling? So it will be God now asking us, what did you do for me? And we will all be held accountable. Hallelujah. So let us work for God while we have life. Time to work is now. God has called us now. It is now that God wants us to call to work for him. It's not about next month. Or it's not about after the whole coronavirus has ended. It's not about when I have a good job. Or when I am less busy. But God is saying, time for you to work for me. I am calling you right now. I am calling you, Asmenu, to work for me right now. It is now that I need to work for God. It is not any other time but now. Amen. So the last verse that I want us to reflect on as I finish is the verse that is upon my heart this whole year. And I know it's my sister Mimi's verse that. She's just, she, she, if you know, she keeps posting it and posting it, and I'm like, this is my verse for this year. When you go on Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help. Whatever you're doing for God, He is not unjust to forget what you are doing for Him. Amen. Do not feel let down that maybe there are not other people that are not doing it. But as you keep working for God, as you keep doing it for God, as you keep moving and pushing it for God, as you keep getting more and hungry, more hungry for God, and just serving Him. He's saying, I'm not unjust. I will not forget what you have done for me. I will not forget. Amen. Let us close our eyes wherever we're seated.